Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Um, and I'm Heather Burnsanti. I think you all know that by now. <laughs> um, so the, today I've got a guest. Um, we've been emailing, following each other on social media. We're Facebook friends. Um, and for some reason, I still um, uh, sort of screwed her over when we first were going to record, started talking about recording. <laughs> Anyone who's on the show could probably say, yeah, Heather rescheduled with me like five times. But I think this is only two reschedules to get here. This is, yeah, you only rescheduled me one All time. Right. Oh, You're, this special. Is like our You're special. Yeah. yeah, so it's Katie Heiser. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Katie. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Um, tell folks what you want them to know about you. Um, yeah, Katie Heiser um, on social media. I am Puddle Jumpers without the E in Jumpers. Um, I'm also on Facebook um, for Puddle Jumpers as well, but I've uh, been in the field since 2017 and kind of have always been in the play-based um, world. And I first started out in Northern California, um, a great play-based preschool with a great mentor who really just kind of like showed me the way ever Wonderful. since. So, yes. Um, and I kind of took what she, um, mentored me with to every place that I've been to. Um, uh, but most I, after leaving there in Northern California, I dived into the nature play nature-based education world. So, um, I've been in that world for, um, you know, since then, but mm -hmm. they've always been in a play-based, um, philosophy, nature-based philosophy. So, um, I love the outdoors and, um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. much, <laughs> I, um, I really admire nature playground and, and, um, if, if someone told me I had to do it, I would do it. Cause I know it's wonderful for children, but the summers would be rough for me. <laughs> totally. yeah. We were talking a lot about weather off mic and, um, that I would be so grouchy. I, I have. Weird been grouchy yes in in the texas i am now in texas for everybody who doesn't know but um it was 95 last week and in february uh, february and i like despise the heat so uh -huh. just being outside all day i was like wetting myself with a hose like drenching yeah. myself I, it was it was a little hot for me yeah <laughs> yeah i used to you know in high school and right out of, out of high school i I worked at a summer camp where we were outside all the time and there was no air conditioning. You know, like we slept in covered wagons and tree houses and um, uh, I don't know how I did it. I guess maybe age has, yeah. <laughs> has ruined me. Um, anyway, so, so Katie and I are going to talk about um, letter of the week and uh, we, we got onto this topic because Katie does really um, fun and informative Instagram posts where I don't know what I don't know the language but it's like a you know just like the quote and then you sl yeah. you slide through for more quotes about a topic um and we'd been talking about doing a, an episode together for a little bit and you had one that was like letter of the week is bullshit is that yeah, what it I said? said I don't give a shit about letter I, of the okay week. yeah <laughs> not that I'm not covering my mouth because I yeah. don't like to say the word I was afraid of being wrong um yeah and I was like oh there's our topic yeah. <laughs> there it is 
so um so i'm gonna we're gonna start with this uh quote from erica christakis the book that i think probably most people are familiar with by now um the importance of being little what young children really need from grown-ups um such an influential book and i'd even been in the field a long time and sort of was already firmly in the play camp when i discovered it and just every everything was like oh yeah oh yeah as i read through <laughs> so um regarding today's topic uh, erica wrote there's no scientific evidence to support the teaching of single letters in isolation in a preschool curriculum or the introduction of letters in alphabetic order this is simply a cultural practice that seems to make sense because it's the way we've always done things yeah, I, I I call stuff like that a lot of times just, you know, American child care culture mm -hmm. is is our, our rationale for a lot of what we do with young yeah. children. Uh, so why did you feel strongly enough about it to swear? Yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it reaches out to people. I'm also just like uh, a very, I have a potty mouth. So mm -hmm. I'm like, this is great for a post and then it'll get <laughs> everybody to look at it. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, I feel strongly about it because I think just like that quote said that it is kind of just like a norm that American education has just adopted. And when you look at, you know, other countries, they don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't introduce it even as early as we do. Right. Uh, so I think that when teachers who come from traditional preschools or childcare facilities, that they come into it and they have people around them who are also doing the same thing. So mm -hmm they don't know anything different because it's just kind of just been this hand down. Mm -hmm. You go in the closet and there's just like, you know, stacks of prepackaged letter things that you take out for the theme of the week. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you don't really know any different. And if you don't kind of go into that, like research or read these books or kind of get into that play world you mm -hmm. don't know like why it's not effective you know you're just yeah. like yeah you're putting it out you want them to learn the letter of the week totally I mean the letters totally you know mm -hmm. like you you want to have that letter recognition but you don't know that this isn't the most effective way to do it so yeah. you think it's you know uh effective yeah and talking about letter of the week specifically i mean i what what christakis was talking about was a lot of practices kind of rolled into one but but talking specifically about letter of the week which seems to be the most popular and the the thing i see in almost all programs in, to some level um that i go to um it it makes sense it feels mm -hmm. seems like it should make sense right we we want them to learn a letter so we show them a letter and we don't want to confuse them with other letters so we just stick with this one letter um for 5 days or 3 days or however however often our program meets um and also it feels like school right mm -hmm. so we're all very worried about i don't want to say worried about we're all very um invested in being seen as teachers and so mm -hmm. things that look like school are kind of a shortcut right for that totally. yeah it's like a receipt you know yeah you, and especially in this in this career field you mm -hmm. feel like you hear a lot of people who are being who are saying oh you change diapers oh mm -hmm. you you know you just play all day or you know like they don't need preschool like this you know this isn't uh, you know, affected to their development, they need to go to a traditional preschool, mm -hmm. they need to go to kindergarten to be able right. to learn things. So I think there's like, especially for younger teachers, they come into this and they're hearing all of that. And so of course, you know, you get defensive, you know, mm -hmm. early out and 
it hits your ego and Mm -hmm. you're like, no, you know, I am doing good. Or, you know, I am a teacher and, you know, I do top down. I sit in a chair (laughs) while I sit on the floor and, you know, so it's like you get into these practices that make you feel better essentially, you know, and you don't know that you're not doing it in a way that is child-led and most effective and yeah. research. Yeah. I think there's a couple, um, couple other things that I've been thinking about with this in the last couple of years, not just with this, but like when we talk about theme planning um, and I don't want to get too far off letter of the week, we'll come back to that because I want to specifically talk about that and, <laughs> and what else we can be, we can be doing, but um, <clears throat> so much is tied into one, one for one high turnover mm-hmm. in the field makes it a lot more attractive to just have this easy go-to whoever I have to put in the room can do this. Um, so I know that factors into it. And um, <clears throat> I don't know about in Texas, but in Indiana and other states, um, the the qualifications for like a lead teacher mm-hmm. in in an early childhood program or a child care center, whatever you want to call it, um, that's a whole other episode, uh, yeah. are so uneven. Like mm-hmm. it, some some child care places in Indiana have no qualifications for staff because they're regulated in a certain way. Um, and some have, uh, even the ones that require degrees will accept an elementary degree. And there's nothing wrong with an elementary degree for an elementary teacher, but it really doesn't, that, mm-hmm. that coursework really doesn't go into... Um, development before the age of five or six, you know? Um, so I know there's a lot of, I'll say good reasons that people fall into this and feel really comfortable with it. It's easier to show families when they come in and they're like, well, what are you doing to get them ready to read? And we can say, oh, we do letter of the week. Um, it's, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors that I know, um, feel really helpful (laughs) to the adults who, who really cling to this. Um, but it's not, it's not helping children to learn in the way that we think it is. It's very much helping us to be teachers, but it's not helping children to, to have a learning experience that's appropriate. Right. Totally. And I think I like how you said, like it kind of without going off topic so much, but (laughs) it goes into just kind of like the structure of this field Mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, unorganized it can be, you know, and the lack of education or the lack of resources or the Mm -hmm. lack of, you know, money and funding. And, you know, it kind of just goes up this like structural pyramid of like, what can we do better in this Mm -hmm. field? But I think like when it really comes down to it, there, the turnover is hard, you know, and, um, the lack of training, you know, it, I'm mm-hmm. sure running a program, you come in, you have all these new teachers and to be able to be like, here's the most effective way, you know, that t- does take a lot of time. And when you're having new teachers come and go, I mean, how many times can you do that? Yeah. But, um, you know, we are in this field for children and, mm-hmm. you know, I think, um, you know, directors, you know, higher ups, they need to be able to, um, read that research or, mm-hmm. you know, know the effectiveness of it right. and, um, do it for the children, you know, and, um, uh, not just, you know, because letter of the week is the easiest way right. to kind of produce right. stuff. Yeah. So why doesn't, um, uh, letter of the week, why isn't letter of the week the most effective way to meet that goal? Yeah. And is the goal of letter a week 
yeah. appropriate goal. Like, yeah. let's just jump in. Yeah, <clears throat> I would say like for wine, it's really isolated. So like if you start off with A, you know, in the beginning of the week, in the beginning of the year and um, kids are intrinsically motivated, you know, so they're going to learn what they're interested in. And if you're learning about A and everything is A, all the books are A, all the food is A, all the crafts are A, but you have a kid in your class whose name is Zion, you know, <laughs> and their last name and their first name starts with a Z, like they're mm-hmm. going to be waiting I don't know the actual math of it, just of how many letters are actually in the alphabet. But 52. There's 52. Okay, gonna wait no, wait, no, there's 26. I don't oh. know either. Oh my God, there's 26. I was thinking weeks of the year. Uh, <laughs> there are 52. Yeah, I don't even know. 26 um, letters. Um, Good thing it's not a math um, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're going to wait a long time essentially yeah. to be able to get, to get to their name and kids who just don't have an A in their name, like at all, they're going to, you know, why is this mattering? Why does this matter to them? Why are they going to be connected to this name? I mean, to this letter and, um, you know, that goes for everybody else's name in the alphabet. It's just, they're waiting too long, you know? And I think that you can see in a program, if a kid isn't interested in that letter A, then they're not getting anything from that letter. You know, you just spent so much time preparing crafts and whatever for that kid to not take away anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, from it. Yeah. And then some, some teachers will feel, sometimes I think it's sort of subconscious, but some will outright say it. I put all this work into this and this kid won't even sit here and do it. <laughs> I cut and colored and laminated for hours. Yep. They, it, it becomes like a personal thing for sure. You yeah. know, and when you are in those programs, you do spend a lot of time pre-cutting and you, you put a lot of your own time and effort into mm-hmm. it. And so when it becomes craft time or whatever, you know, that kid's like, no, I don't want to do it. It's like, Oh, I just spent yeah, exactly. all this time doing it. And it, yeah. it, it makes you feel some type of way, mm-hmm. but, um, I think another thing is that like memorization isn't the most effective way to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, the rote learning isn't how humans in general learn, you know, and especially children, um, they need those hands-on experiences to be able to learn a new whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that, um, makes me think about the, um, so one of the classes I teach is called emerging literacy and it's supposed to be about the foundational stuff you need for formal reading education later, you know, and, uh, one, one semester I taught it, it was completely virtual. So we were never in the same space and it was hard to interact with books and things and children (laughs) and to observe and watch. So anyway, there, it just was, it was very, um, it was very much me telling and showing things. Um, and we would talk about things each week was a different focus from infancy till uh, five years old. And we would talk about the importance of vocabulary and the importance of um, having a lot of experience with phonological awareness and just understanding how sounds work mm-hmm. and symbolic thinking being important and dramatic play even being a really important piece of um, eventually learning to read and all these uh, foundational things. <laughs> excuse me, visual discrimination. Yeah. And we had, you know, I gave them all the information. They would talk a little bit about it. They were reading about it. And when we got to the end of the semester and they were asked to put all of that into a plan or, and to um, 
frame an answer for a parent who was asking about reading um, in a three-year-old classroom. What, how could you incorporate what we've done this semester, you know, into the, that, that answer. And they all still really jumped to letter of the week, which we hadn't even really talked about in class mm -hmm. and, um, uh, you know, uh, worksheet kind of things. So, yeah. so that to me, I was like, okay, so you, you all sat and they were great students. I mean, they were nice pe people, but you all just sat through eight weeks with me, <laughs> having me tell you what I want you to learn and couldn't reproduce it at the end. Yeah of eight weeks and you're grownups, but you still think the best way to teach a child letters is to show them and talk yeah. about it. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're going to know everything about that letter and how totally. to use it for reading. And um, I mean, of course I didn't say that to any of them because class was over by then, <laughs> but it just, it was so interesting to me that their own experience wasn't even connecting that for them and so of course this is a hard battle to now come in and say those things aren't effective in the classroom like you think they yep. are yep <laughs> and you know I think as young educators who are taking these classes they see those big terms like phonological awareness yeah. or they see those terms that it connects to their own experiences being in the like the education system uh -huh. and you know I think just from conversations that I've had with educators um, who are just like leaving college and kind of entering the field or are in college and, you know, working mm -hmm. in a classroom, they, they link those big terms to that kind of like academic um, instruction. Uh -huh. And I think in those classes, you know, I remember taking one specifically just on play. So like, um, and I think that was more effective, you know, mm -hmm. to be able to like, see how play equals like letter recognition, mm -hmm. you know, and be able to do, um, you know, class materials or whatever papers, you know, to be able to, how can you ensure that families feel, you know, like their child is coming home with something, but yeah. in a place-based, you know. <clears throat> outlook. And, um, I think that was really effective because even when I started going to school, I saw these big turns and you think that equals, you know, top down. Mm -hmm. teacher, yeah. You know, I have to teach, I have to do phonological awareness, awareness. Le lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, you know, so, um, oh gosh, what did that remind me of? Oh, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I also think that, not all children are on the same page. You know, they're all sure. like developmentally at different, um, you know, stages of their own development. And, um, you know, in a classroom, mixed age groups are like, you know, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of mixed age groups. Mm -hmm. And so when you have like a three and a four and a five together, that letter of the week isn't going to be effect as effective, you know, as you see it in the five-year-old, you're like, oh, mm -hmm. they're grasping it. Why isn't yeah. this three-year-old not grasping it? Yeah. And they're not kind of tailoring to their developmental needs. Um, you know, they're all, it's, it's one size fits all. Yeah. And that's, you know, not how it works. <clears throat> yeah. We give a lot of lip service to individualing, individualizing, but it's like, as long you can individualize all you want, as long as we end up with a standardized child at the end. Of yep, yep. As long as they're hitting all of the assessments on five <laughs> yeah. and they're ready for kindergarten. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that three to five year old mixed age group is really um, prevalent that that happens at a lot of places. But I think even in a three year old room, there's that's a mixed age group, right? Totally. <laughs> totally. I think about, you know, think about a baby 
and how how different they are from six weeks when they maybe start in an infant room and one year when they're getting ready to move along or, yep. um, you know, if that's the kind of system you're in and they're so different and you wouldn't dream of expecting the same things from a three month old as you do from the 10 month old, but suddenly we just homogenize them into a three-year-old. And yep. so they should all be able to do the same things and totally. they should all have the same reading goals and all that. Um, it's so easy to slip into. For sure. You know, yeah. it, it is easy to slip into and there's a lot of pressure from parents and admin and, you know, just society to be able to mm-hmm. like children who are like academically ready for. Right. right. It's part of the, or it's fed by the mythology of school readiness. Like we oh. don't even have an, an agreed upon definition for readiness, but we all think we need to achieve it. And we all think it means knowing all the letters <laughs> for one thing, but one of the things I do like about Indiana's early learning standards is uh, they're called the foundations um, and they have columns under each, you know, sort of skill or developmental area. There's like younger or infants and then younger toddler, older toddler, younger preschool or preschool. And then the last column is kinder is the actual kindergarten standard from the department of education. And it clearly says by the end of kindergarten, Children should know all 26 uppercase letters and all 26 lowercase letters, but people still think they need to know all of that before kindergarten or their child will fail. And, um, you know, maybe there's kindergarten teachers out there saying that I don't know those teachers. I know kindergarten teachers who want kids who, um, uh, you know, are mentally as healthy as we can have them and socially and emotionally ready to be in a group, um, in a, in, in the school setting and to function through that. And, um, one friend of mine who does kindergarten, say teaches kindergarten says, you know, as long as they can write something that looks like their name, I know what that means and I can work with it and they will, you know, get their name figured out when they're with me. For sure. Um, you know, I had a whole thought and it just disappeared. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Sunday morning recording. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you know, I think that that also goes back to the standards that we have mm-hmm. in America are just mm-hmm. like really rough and, um, you know, such an academic push down. And mm-hmm. so, you know, recently I've seen just, you know, second grade going to first grade and first grade going to kindergarten. So they just get more academic focused and we're mm-hmm. not focusing on those social emotional skills, like you said, and yeah. You know, I believe that the social emotional skills like are the foundation for, right. you know, those academics. Right. And, and and having developed an identity that says I can learn things, I'm good at learning. Yes. Yes. Like I am aware of like, you know, what I like and what I don't mm-hmm. like. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think when kids in America go to kindergarten, they're going from, you know, a, a preschool setting, whether it's play-based, traditional or whatever, but then they go to a kindergarten program where it's like 30 kids, there's one teacher, yeah. you sit down for long periods of time. It's such a like shock factor for mm-hmm. that five-year-old. And then they're expected to do things that aren't developmentally appropriate, mm-hmm. even as five. And, um, you know, that's really difficult. You know, they don't have those social emotional skills, you know, yeah. and they're going to be able to have that foundation for mm-hmm. academics. Yeah. So I I said something earlier about um, questioning whether the goal of letter recognition should be a priority. Um, And that's really age dependent, of course. But um, I think for me, what I see and what I've lived and what I did as a younger teacher 
was to think um, uh, learning and readiness equals letters and numbers. So mm-hmm. every, most of what I do and shapes, you know, throw in some shapes and colors. Most of what I do should be teaching them those things. And I worked with two-year-olds and was doing like letter of the week yeah. kind of things. And there, you know, there's some who can recognize it just like they recognize the McDonald's logo and uh, and their favorite, you know, TV show logo or whatever. Um, it doesn't mean that they've learned it in a way that's going to be, you know, transferable. But uh, but overall, that's not. There's so many other things a two year old could be doing to get them ready, um, or to to build that foundation for future um, for future learning. But that that the letters just are such a draw. It is, yeah. And you know, I think that it, you know, it like you said, it is easier to be able mm-hmm. to kind of pick and pull and pick and pull and mm-hmm. kind of have like just like you know, I have this year twelve boxes set up or whatever. Right. Going to be the same thing, and um, you know, it is easier to have that, but um you know, I think it would be good to share some ways yes. to not do that. Yep, that's um, where we're, I was going to take you yeah. next. Yeah, go ahead. What should we uh, be doing instead? Yeah, you know, and I think this can kind of go for all, you know, age groups, you tailor to the age mm-hmm. um, and, you know, safety levels, you know, an infant probably shouldn't have just, you know, small pieces of letters or whatever. <laughs> so tailor it how you need whoever's yeah. listening. Um, but, uh, specifically if you're like in a three to five age program, you know, having keyboards in your dramatic play area or, um, phones, like old phones where you can, you know, see the letters and see the numbers and, um, print, you know, everywhere around the room and, um, magazines and newspapers and books and songs. And, um, specifically for like those two threes that you were talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, when I was in California, I was in the two, three program in the classroom and, um, those fine motor skills, you know, and be able to do, um, you Play-Doh slime, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, climbing and running and jumping, like building those, you know, muscle groups that they're going to be able to need to write those letters, mm-hmm. um, you know, sensory bins <laughs> with all letters and all numbers. And, you know, so they can start identifying these things that are, um, play-based and they're child-led and they're hands-on, you know, Mm -hmm. I think like letter of the week is very just like abstract Yeah, and they see it on the wall or, you know, they, the, the teacher is talking about it and that's just, you know, that's assuming that all children learn from like hearing Mm -hmm. things and just seeing things. But, you know, if we are like looking at how a child actually learns, it is Mm hands-on, um, and it needs to be, um, you know, um, tangible, you know, mm-hmm. and they need to be able to feel it, to smell it, to see it, you know, all of the senses. Yeah. I, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I, one of the other things that I think about when I'm trying to decide how I can do, um, you know, for, for specifically for this podcast, if we're talking about letter recognition, um, or identification or whatever, um, one of the things that we know from neuroscience is that, um, you know, we, we already know that those connections, um, in their brain, that, that brain development is happening at a 
faster rate than it ever will again, you know, whatever the the line is that we keep hearing that actually has led to some of this push down. Uh Um, But one of the things we do know is that if a child, anyone, if a person is having fun and has a positive emotion attached to the, the data that's coming into their brain, then it's more likely that they'll want to repeat. And we know that repetition builds, um, builds learning and they'll be more likely to, um, have a memory of what what that was doing. So if we've got some letters in something else, you know, that's really fun for them that that draws them in to be engaged, then it is, if that's our goal, then it's more likely that they will um, have a meaningful experience with that letter than yeah. just sitting and doing um, the Zoophonic song or whatever it might be during circle totally. time when yeah. they don't have choice to leave or go. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you know, or that like sit down, oh, now it's time to do letters. Everybody mm-hmm. come over here and sit on this chair and yeah. here's this worksheet and you need to trace this thing. You know, it's yeah. not fun. It's not engaging. Yeah. You know, it doesn't hit their interest. And, you know, that also doesn't fulfill like a love for learning for kids, mm-hmm. you know, like as young as three, I've heard other teachers who are in traditional programs, like those three-year-olds are already like, no, I don't want to do letters. I don't mm-hmm. want to do math. And, you know, like they already have that link to academics as not being right. you know, fulfilling or fun or engaging, yeah. you know, it's well, like- they've gotten in trouble for wiggling too much or not participating or not wanting to come over to the group. And so they, they internalize, I'm not good at school. Exactly. I, I make the teachers mad. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't fun. This is, doesn't make me feel good because uh-huh. I don't want to go do this. And now I'm getting yelled at or, you know, shunned away for go sit on yeah. and have a break because you're not yeah. ready to learn your letters. Go to the quiet corner. Go to the quiet corner. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you there for you to just get right. mad. Right. You know? right. It can't be bad. I didn't call it time it's, out. It's, it's, yeah, I called it's it the, the quiet, quiet corner. corner. <laughs> There's a mirror with emotions that are attached to you know, one of the things that I love to say to people and just watch the, for their reaction when we're talking about like a writing their name, like writing a child writing their name is when I say, I tell them that um, going up the slide is pre-writing, you know, going up the slide is literacy <laughs> because you're, you're strengthening that core that you need to have yep. strengthened and we Your develop shoulders. from the inside out. Yep. Yeah. So our fingers aren't going to have what they need for that letter writing. And we're not going to be able to sit in the chair like we want to, if we haven't put a lot of time into um, challenging our, you know, children who are able to do that, challenging our bodies. For sure. And, you know, I feel like that's such a good point because a lot of, you know, people in this field, they don't even reckon, they don't, they haven't heard that yet. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's the term, you know, or the phrase when you know better, you do better, but yeah everybody in your circle or everybody in your childcare facility, you know, only believes that the child is going to learn their name by holding that pencil and correcting them, praising the Z or, you know, they don't know that climbing up the slide is so beneficial. They don't know that riding that bike, they don't know that playing with the Play-Doh for 45 minutes, you know, like however long they want to, you know, it's not just playing Play-Doh, you know, um, they don't, you know, they just think they don't understand they don't know yet, you know, yeah. that it does take that in to out and yeah. those gross yeah. motor skills. Yeah. I think there's some who who've heard it, but don't quite believe it. Don't quite trust it. You know, I think there's people who've, who've never been presented with that way of thinking. And then also there are some who are just like, mm, I don't know if that fits for me yeah. <laughs> and they just have to keep kind of, um, 
modeling, even, you know, just like with children, we model and we talk through and um, make it fun. One of my favorite things to do. Um, and so honestly, I, I, I was in, so I was in this preschool, it was three to five-year-olds. It was a language-based preschool and a speech language program in, at Purdue. And it was wonderful and I miss it. But, <laughs> but one of the things that I used to do is this mystery word game. Um, and I got actually a lot of pushback from some of my play-based friends that I was even doing this, but um, we get, we get divided on that too, you know, where there's some ground in the middle. But anyway, um, we'd pick a word from like the book we had just read together and write each letter on a big index card and stick it to the bulletin board to spell out the word. And then we had other index cards with those letters hidden around the room with like masking uh -huh. tape. And so the children could just be like playing and they'd see this letter, grab it and run it over and find which letter it matched and tape it underneath. And it was really fun. Um, and and it became a group thing yeah. yeah so it was social and um and they were talking using letter names and there would be like a big celebration you know if there was like one we hadn't found yet they'd be uh -huh. like we found you know so it was it, there was a lot of positive emotion attached to it and it was just really a fun way to meet you know we did um have that as something we were trying to help some of the children with not all it wasn't the goal for all but for a couple it was and it was just so fun and it was surprising to me then when some um you know some play-based folks were like oh I wouldn't even do that like there's got to be some, some grace be. here yes, with yes, for sure you know and just like hearing that you know like I it is a game it is mm -hmm. fun you know, it's collaboration. They it's could choose it. They, they could not it. do they it. They don't have yeah. to do it. You know, it's not like a forced thing, you know, like it's the same thing for like name hunts, you know, like it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going on. It's like, you can make it fun. You can make mm -hmm. it engaging. They don't have to get into it if they don't want to. Yeah. But, you know, I think that play base that isn't this like free for all, you know, mm -hmm. where it's just like, they don't learn anything or they just, you know, Mm -hmm. there are things, you know, like those games that are able to match the letter recognition mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's intriguing and it, it yeah. has them learn all that like phon phonological awareness. Yeah. And, you know, um, there has to be some sort of middle ground. Yeah. And, you but, know, I, I will say that it was based on a child who was really into letters and asking about letters and um, another child who liked to hide things and find them. And so it was, uh -huh. you know, it was um, for us, it was play. Uh, yep. Another teacher could have done that in a way that was work, you know, chore or work or, in a, you sure. know, maybe an inappropriate thing, but um, there's no, I guess there's no one right way of doing things is what I want to say, other than it should be play and child led. I think that's a right way. I'll go out on that limb. For sure. Um, but we, we make it, we make it more difficult than it needs to be. <clears throat> Um, and less effective than it could could be because of all the pressures we feel or, you know, the folks who've just not been presented with a different way of thinking. For sure. Yeah. You know, I, that game reminded me, I have a kid who's really into geography and states and flags. And so I have some things in my classroom, you know, that is like printed or globe or, you know, mm -hmm. things on the walls that, um, you know, show geography and some play-based educators who could go in there and be like, mm -hmm. oh, you have you know, yeah. United States flags or other country, like, you know, it looks more academic if you look into it, but that was child-led, you know, mm -hmm. like they, they asked for it. They're super into it. They want mm -hmm. to play with this interactive, you know, 
game for flags and countries mm-hmm. and um you know to be able to just be like you know yeah like I see your point but um also this kid was super interested yeah it is yeah. fun for him and it's like inviting it's child-led and it's through play yeah you know? I, th- I think if any of us I think for any of us if we can articulate the reasons for our decisions um and and hear each other's reasons for our decisions I mean it's not that I'm going to agree with every reason that a, a person tells me but it could get us a long way to um connecting in a way where we could advocate for more play and for more appropriate um literacy um I'll say instruction for lack of a better word um <laughs> because we have you know more of a uh positive relationship and we've heard each other and uh heard not hurt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh <clears throat> and that can really work towards all of us doing better for sure yeah and I think like edu- like child care educators whoever um yeah. is listening to this and it feels you know kind of like scary to kind of mm-hmm. go against the norm or you are in a program that doesn't support this and they want to see that receipt at the end of the day mm-hmm. and parents are really adamant on making their child read by three or you know you have these assessments that you need to complete and um you know I think just like starting small is mm-hmm. you know great too and instead of having that worksheet you know you can have like a sand area where they can you know mm-hmm. do their own letter tracing or putting shaving cream on the table and you know get little different mediums of art and they can do like letters or mm-hmm. um you know, it doesn't have to be this whole change of your classroom, um, but but pick and pull different things that you can add, mm-hmm. you know, put more puzzles in there or, you know, play more games, um, you know, sing more songs, um, you know, get them outside more, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, on your newsletters each week, like plug in a little article that mm-hmm. just shares like why climbing up a slide is really beneficial. Yeah. To be able to build those like skills to write your name and um then it kind of gets at more people in your circle mm-hmm. and it gets those you know parents to be a bit oh i see you know mm-hmm. you guys are climbing up the side for this or you know it doesn't have to be this like drastic change of your classroom mm-hmm. but um you can just like start small and that will yeah. just you know yeah <laughs> and <clears throat> lisa murphy talks a lot about being as developmentally appropriately inappropriate as you can when you're in those situations (laughs) like if you've got an expectation that you know is not uh given by you know by somebody else that you know is not effective or appropriate you can figure out a way to tweak it a little or add a little bit more of a playful (laughs) element or add a you know that up just that ability to choose to leave makes such a difference um if if that thing is not grabbing them whatever you've offered for sure. Yeah. And I, I like how you said, like, be able to leave because I am a huge, like, advocate for like a instructed thing of like circle time, for example, mm-hmm. like just being able to have that choice that you don't have to enter you, you can leave mm-hmm. is just like makes children like that is their own autonomy, you know, mm-hmm. like they are their own people. And if they're not interested, they're not interested. Right. And um, I saw just in my own classroom, how much it just transformed, you know, my level of stress and their level of stress when I allow them to just not do things that they don't want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and that switch is so powerful in a classroom. Yeah. 
and um, be able to provide them, you know, choices to be able to go and, you know, at any center that they want, or, you know, yeah. it's, it is really powerful. Yeah. I just finished reading, um, Suzanne Axelson has a new book called the original learning approach. Hmm. Um, it's really good. It just came out. Uh, but one of the things she said that hit me, um, was that even an adult directed activity could be play if children, um, are free to choose it or not choose it and free to leave if they want to leave, you know, that element of play, play being freely chosen and they can quit any time. Um, if you add that element to something a teacher has planned out and is directing, it still could be for the children who choose it and stay yep. that could, that could be play. Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's child led. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, hope I didn't butcher that. I think that's what she said. <laughs> really good yeah yeah we'll find out I'm trying to I'm trying to set some time up uh to have her come on and talk too so um so any last thoughts or any last tips or your favorite things to do instead Um, of letter of the week yeah you know some things that I mentioned like the keyboards and stuff are like you know super inviting especially like you know that is so imaginative Mm -hmm. and I've you know I've seen it transform the classroom of just putting in keyboards and a little dramatic play stuff um but like lists on the wall or you know just um anything kind of that you can just put up on in and out in and on the walls of the classroom you know it lets them identify things um but games you know like you Mm -hmm. said and um yeah you know Mm -hmm. also just like those you know big body movements like Mm -hmm. the slide example you know that does uh, help form those, those muscle groups. And so like getting them outside and letting them climb trees or, um, you know, even hammering things Uh and fly swatter art, you know, it it has that whole body. We really forget about the shoulders and the elbows when we're talking about motor development, don't we? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, you play-doh sign, you know, all those clay, you know, clay is like super rough. It's harder than play-doh, you know, those are forming those muscle groups. So, um, you know, just really getting them outside and in in nature and, um, letting them have those gross motor skills Mm -hmm. to be able to form those, um, those fine motor skills. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Um, well, I'm glad you, we finally worked it out to a time (laughs) that worked for both of us and I appreciate your flexibility in the process. And, um, so I guess, um, where, where can people find you if they want more information um, or more, more? of this. Yes. On Instagram, it's at puddle jumpers without the E. Um, on my bio, I have like a website that you can go to. Um, my email is puddle jumpers at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, so yeah, those are the ways you can find me and yeah, lots of, lots of ways to get you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for coming on and talking. Yes. Thank um, you. and thanks everybody for listening to another episode of that early childhood nerd. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.